Hi, I'm Will Wheaton from the TV Crimes Podcast, Radio Free Burrito, and some TV shows, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. probably like me um, just feel like I need to have a say in when I'm working and what I'm working on and sometimes what that ends up meaning is that you overcommit yourself both to your own ideas and to other people's but it, it's just this sort of reassurance that like you're not sitting waiting for the phone to ring or you know if your show gets canceled you don't go well who am I now <laughs> you know this is all I this is all I can do or that's what I that's what I did I was the person who was on that show here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB Podcast. And you just came in on a conversation. We're talking about Avatar, the not not the not the movies by James Cameron. Not the blue, that's <laughs> a blue people one. <laughs> and and Jamie's frustrated one, that say. neither the of good us Avatar. have watched it. <laughs> the good Avatar. And Jamie's us trying to see if we've both watched it. Neither of us have. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? I actually just watched the whole thing again because my kids right. just, just discovered it. Okay. And uh, we had started it like, I don't know, a year or two ago. And I said, oh, you guys will really like this. And we watched the first couple episodes. And you know how kids are. They found something else to, you know, distract them. And we just kind of forgot about it. And I think maybe it was like we were watching it on Amazon Prime. And I think maybe like it came off Amazon for for a while. Anyway, it's back on. And so I said, you know, let's try this again. So we started over and my, you know, my kids go in waves like most kids. Mm -hmm. They go in there, you know, like this is this is my favorite show this week and that's all I'm going to watch. But they've never binged anything before this. They totally binged it. So it was like they they wouldn't watch anything else anytime they sat down to watch tv they were watching avatar and because it's it's three seasons of one story so it is a very bingeable show they uh we just finished it uh last night or two nights ago i think we finally just we finished up the third season and uh yeah they they can't get enough of it so now they're like we want to know we have to watch cora um but so instead i said you know we're we're gonna watch cora together let's take our time so (laughs) they're watching avatar again (laughs) <laughs> oh wow um, now do, do but they, they watch it, it and it do is they, like do they watch it in sequential order because my kids don't ever do that when they have a show they they kind of jump all over yes when they're gonna sit down to watch, like they have a few episodes that they like so if it's like right. um like oh let's just watch let's watch this one again because this one was really funny but they will sit down and they just they kept they kept going in order because it's that's the kind mm-hmm. of story it is they're not self right. i mean they are self-contained stories but it's telling one much longer story and so from the very first episode of the first season to the last episode of the last season, it's telling one story. And you really do need to watch it in order because there's characters that will come back. I mean, it is, it, for a kid's TV show, it is very sophisticated storytelling. 
mm-hmm. because like there are characters from the first season that come back at the climax of the third season to wow. help them and things yeah. that were like dropped dropped during the first season like story bits or things that happened early on that you thought didn't mean anything will come back and and they had a big make a big difference yeah uh yeah and children's television is coming really far especially with i mean that that one that one was a while ago right that that was out. it it was what 2003 four somewhere around there um and but we've actually so Lauren Montgomery and Joaquim Dos Santos, who do um, Voltron Legendary Defender, mm-hmm. they did Avatar together. So okay, awesome. um, that's why when they were announced as being on Voltron, it was such a huge deal for fans of Avatar because um, they made names for themselves as like you know, really sophisticated, well thought out, well told stories with super high quality animation. So when they were attached to Voltron, it was like, geeks around the country went of course you know, yeah batch it because they were like wow this is amazing um so yeah we've actually i mean we've had them on the show we talked about voltron at the time because that's what they were promoting um but sort of that's that's where they really became really well known among people mm-hmm. who like among those animation fans is because of because of airbender last airbender so you've both actually we should introduce Samantha quick because it's been by this point a little while since we've been on air, so people might not remember. Yeah, and so, I totally just I totally just talked over everybody. So that's I've, okay. I've just no, that was great. I've been in Jamie's basement while while he's uh, away. <laughs> yeah, we've this been on time. break. <laughs> Get really we've been hungry. on break for a couple months, guys, and uh, Samantha's been in Jamie's it hasn't been basement a couple months. <laughs> it felt like a couple months, okay? <laughs> it felt like two first, lifetimes. <laughs> it felt like forever, our first break. But we're back, and I'm going to introduce you to Samantha, just in case your minds... I know how minds work now. Like, people watch YouTube videos for 30 seconds and click off. And so we're going to... We'll introduce Samantha again, just in case. You know, they probably don't even remember me. I'm Justin. They're probably I not even co-host. listening to this anymore. <laughs> They're gone. All right, Samantha... You're she's on our show in the past. Welcome back to the podcast. And that was my quick intro. What an Thank intro. You. <laughs> and you guys interviewed Janet Varney. This you guys this is awful. You guys interviewed Janet Varney. Why don't you tell me about what you guys talked about? Well, there was a reason we came in talking about Avatar and it wasn't just, you know, because my kids watched it recently. Um, <laughs> Janet Varney was actually, she did the voice of Korra in the follow-ups uh, show, The Legend of Korra. Um, so she was the the main character of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that was even several years ago now. I think that show was like 2009, 10, 11, somewhere around there. I should have somewhere done my homework, there. but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is... I think I, I called her this too. She is one of the hardest w- working women in show business. Like it's, it was crazy doing like doing a little bit of research, you know, before we talked to her, it was just like one thing after another, after another, I was like, Wait, what doesn't she do? You know? I mean, so in addition to her voiceover work, she has her own podcast. She, um, she was starring on Stan against evil, uh, which just wrapped the second season. So she's in TV, um, and not just like, oh, I'm, you know, on Law and Order this week. Like, no, she was, you know, she was the main character of 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 a of a prominent show. Um, she does a lot. She she her history was from Thrilling Adventure Hours, so she's friends with all those guys. So she's all over podcast and radio stuff all over the internet. 
She is a founding, one of the founders of the SF Sketchfest, San Francisco Sketchfest. So I don't know if she, we didn't actually talk about stand up. I don't know how much stand up she still does. Um, but uh, my God, what else does she do? If you watched um, a few years ago through Nerdist, they did uh, Neil's Puppet Dreams, which was Neil. Um, I almost said Neil deGrasse Tyson. Totally not him. Um, <laughs> Neil Patrick <Yeah>. Harris um, <laughs> with Neil Patrick Harris with with puppets. Um, she created and directed and, and, and did that show. Um, I mean, she's just, she's all over the place and she's starring on friends shows. She's doing her own thing. She's, um, kind of amazing in, in many different ways. I would only disagree with the kinda. In kinda, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she is very impressive. I thought I was a hardworking woman. Woof. Yeah. I, 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 I felt like I need to do more apparently, um, yeah. in talking to her about all her different projects. So uh, it was it was impressive listing through when we were talking to her about all the different things she'd been working on recently. It was just and it was all over the place. I mean, it wasn't like a whole bunch of the same thing. It yeah. just and I I know I can't do that well. Like, uh, you know, I'll sit down and I write several articles and then I move on to something else I need mm-hmm. to do. You know, if I've got a backlog of stuff, but she's just from thing to thing. And um, her podcast is really impressive. Like if you guys are not listening to that podcast, um, you need to because uh, it's and, you know, I don't know that we ever asked her. We had intended to ask her if she comes in with with, you know, like prepared some questions or if she has an idea where she wants these to go, because they don't feel that way. When you listen to her podcast, it feels like she just sat down with a friend and they start talking and it just flows and it flows so well and you know she's not best friends with all these people so um she does a really great job of getting to know people and letting conversations flow uh i i liked listening to her podcast um i i most recently listened to the one it was actually an older one but she interviewed janine garofalo and Janine amuses me. So uh, that was a really good one to listen to um, because they they talk about how they're crammed between her bed and a wall in her hotel room to do this. So they were both traveling somewhere, which I forget where. And, and I mean, it sounds like they're right next to each other because I think they were. They like, were probably. <laughs> I, 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 and we, we should explain. So her show, The JV Club, um, is it's not just interviews like we do you know where it's like oh we, we we kind of cover somebody's career and we have you know we have a conversation about different you know artistic motivations and things like that the the conceit of her show is that she talks to uh mostly comedians i believe they're almost all comedians and they're all women um though i didn't know this she does talk to guys during the summer but she talks to comedian women uh about their awkward teenage years or teenage 20 somethings, you know, when, so like they're, they're young, they're younger formative years and sort of what made it formative. Um, what did they have to get through to become who they are now? Um, and so there, there's some really moving, really emotional, really deep conversations that she has because she takes that approach and that's the topic that she talks about. Wow. 
That sounds awesome. I need to go listen to it now. Yeah, everybody <laughs> needs to go listen to it. That it sounds really, awesome. You gotta really go. Good. You gotta add it to your your subscribe list after our show. I mean, yes. Listen to this one first, and <laughs> a few more of ours. Then go listen. No, I'm just go go listen to hers right after you listen to this one. Like listen to the interview, get to know her. Then go listen to her podcast. All right, guys, we're gonna go play that for you right now. Hope you enjoy. First of all. Thank you. I know this has been a long time coming, so I really do appreciate it. Oh, no, I'm so glad that we finally got to do it. I just, I just felt so chagrined and I felt uh, shamed when I was going back through. I was like, oh, I wonder, because I was trying to check to see if we'd already discussed whether I needed to record or whether you were okay with me not recording. And then I, yeah. um, as I was scrolling down, I was like, oh, my God, this is the longest thread of us trying to schedule this ever i couldn't feel more just embarrassed and sad that oh, it takes such a long time stop it stop it i'm i'm used to this quite <laughs> honestly because you know i you know everybody who comes on the show or everybody who agrees to you know talk to me is doing me a favor quite honestly so it's i'm i'm more than happy to work with your, your schedule Anna. well and you know by the way i feel the same i mean i feel like half of my podcast episodes uh at some point in the podcast involves me and the guests going we finally did it yeah exactly like just <laughs> par for the course yeah everybody's got their I own say it, thing. and every time yeah and every time i say it like it's this crazy weird thing that happened it's like no janet you say that every single every time single everyone time. is used to you saying that well, I do have to say, um, and I'll probably bring this up again, but, you know, in, in doing my quote unquote research, it is amazing that you have time to do anything. Like, how are you not the hardest working woman in show business, quite honestly? I, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And I it makes me wish that I felt like I was. I mean, I do feel uh, I think I do feel a lot of the time like how 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 is this all happening? But that implies that, like you know, I never like sit down and watch TV or I never, you know, uh, like sleep dinner. And, and uh, those things are, are not true. I, I, I absolutely, uh, you know, will disappear into binge watching a show late at night and uh, sometimes during the day, particularly if I'm sick. But um, you don't have people to but, do that for you, uh, people to make your dinner and I watch your TV for you. I, I mean, I guess I could in the sense that if these days you can do anything on an app, I could just have someone watch a TV show and tell me if I liked it or not. That's right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no. So, you know, I think um, it's funny because I, I think the same thing about, you know, friends of mine who just constantly seem to have something they're in the middle of or have just finished or whatever. And I think, um, I think what I've, finally come to understand is I, I probably am busier than a lot of people. Um, but I am not as busy as people, sometimes people who work just on one thing, but they're just working, you know, yeah. 90 hours a week on it. So, um, it's, I guess it's all relative, right? It, it is all relative. Yeah. It's just not being in that world, you know, the entertainment world, it's sort of, it's, it's fascinating to talk to people who are and sort of get that insight, but it, it amazes me how many balls you guys can have in the air at one time. Like, it's just, it, it's mind boggling. Like, I don't, I don't know where you find the time to sit down and just watch a show, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think for, for, for some of us, I mean, and certainly for the friends of mine who, um, kind of have their, you know, have, 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 different kinds of projects hitting like different parts of their personalities or different skill sets. Um, you know, a lot of that becomes like, you know, there's so much in this business. I'm sure these, you know, people that you've talked to have told you this before, but there's just so much in this business that feels so wildly out of your control. Yeah. 
And some people, I guess, are okay with that or they, you know, they, they are just, they have more like mellow temperaments and they just have more faith that things are going to be fine or whatever. <laughs> and then other people probably like me, um, just feel like I need to have a say in when I'm working and what I'm working on. And sometimes what that ends up meaning is that you overcommit yourself both to your own ideas and to other people's, but it, it's just this sort of reassurance that like, you're not sitting waiting for the phone to ring or, you know, if your show gets canceled, you don't go, well, who am I now? You know, this is all I, this is all I can do. Or that's what I, that's what I did. I was the person who was on that show. I think that's, you know, once you have sort of figured out that there's a way to avoid that feeling because inevitably those things do happen, um, you kind of get addicted to it. You're kind of like, well, look, listen, you know, if this person crushes my soul because I, I pitched this TV show idea that was so exciting and so great and they just say it's garbage. Well, then I've got these other three things I have to continue to work on. I can't just like slump down, you know, in bed eating ice cream for two weeks because I have this other stuff that I also am excited about. I think it's like this kind of self emotional self-preservation sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Do you, do you, is that, you probably just answered that. I mean, is that exhausting or exciting? Because it's like, you know, looking, just looking at your IMDb is, is, is a little daunting because you, you know, you've, you've been on so much, you've done so many like supporting roles, hosting jobs, you know, you have your own shows, you do your own podcast. And it's like, it feels like from somebody again on the outside looking in, like unless you're Brad Pitt, you know, like you're always out there hoofing it. You're always trying to get the next thing. And there's never a chance to just sort of sit back and relax. You know, you can't just spend the day in, in bed eating ice cream. Like you said, you're always auditioning. You're always looking for the next thing. Like, is that is that exhausting or is that like, yeah, this is why I'm doing this? Um, I think it's, I think like, you know, like anyone's what becomes normal that like, that's one of the things that I think I'm constantly reminded of is how adaptive people are and how adaptive we all potentially can be. And, um, I think that's good and bad, right? You know, you can adapt to chronic pain and never, you know, and just sort of go, well, this is how this is and maybe stop trying to find a way to stop it. You can adapt to uh, an abusive relationship yeah. and, and, not, and, and accept it and not move on from it. You can adapt to working a million hours a week as a lawyer and, you know, your family goes, well, wait, you, life doesn't have to be like this. And you've got to go, well, yeah, but this is what I do. This is what I'm used to. And I think that um, it's really important to have people around you checking in with you, uh, no matter who you are. So you kind of have a perspective from others on what your life looks like. And I think that's, that's something that um, is definitely important to me. And, and it, it reminds me, you know, I can step back, I can take a breath and also, you know, (laughs) um, there are times during the year where I'm, I love, I, I mean, I'm in a place in my career where I think by and large, I, I'm not working. I just don't have to really work on something that I, I don't love. That doesn't mean that that won't change. And that doesn't mean, you know, we all kind of go through cycles, but I'm just very lucky right now. And that I've been, you know, I've, for the past few years, I've just had these opportunities to work on stuff that I just love. And I'm so proud of, and that makes that work really fun. And that's not always true. And again, I think that's something that's universal beyond show business, but just like when, when people have jobs that they, love you know sort of like okay well the umbrella truth is i love doing this job that doesn't mean that every job is is the best and and you know somebody has an account that they're working you know an advertising right. has an account they're working on that they're just real excited about and then there's other stuff that just pays the bills and 
Um, and, you know, that can be true for, again, like, all, you know, I, I'm really into the, I, I'm totally fascinated by the law in general. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and that's, you know, I'm sure that's true. It's like, well, you know, I had this case I had to work on, like, I was pretty sure the person was guilty, but, you know, my part of my job is defending everyone or, you know, whatever, right, right. anything like that. Um, but right now I, I kind of love everything, but you know, there's, there's definitely times of year where I go, God, I would love to just look at the next two months and go, I don't really have much going on. You know, I can kind <laughs> of coast a little bit and just see, you know, what is going to happen next and kind of breathe and just, and let things kind of come to me. And, uh, it's been a while <laughs> since I've had that. That yeah. is, you know, I, I just wrapped Dan and it was such an amazing experience. And I, I would really like to kind of check out for a couple of weeks on one level and go, you know, God, that was great. Now I'm just going to relax. That was really hard work, but it was really rewarding. And, you know, living in a different city and I'm back and, looking around and like, Oh, maybe I'll just, you know, like, you know, do some, ha- like do some stuff around the house. Maybe right. I'll get, you know, maybe I'll paint a room or something. And, and because those things are really enjoyable to me. Like I love doing yard work. I love, you know, uh, like let's get, you know, let's install a different set of cabinets. Like I really yeah. like <laughs> working with my hands and I really wish that I were more like, I wish I were like, Oh yeah, I was a contractor in a previous life. Like I can just fix anything. I would love that. Cause I just, that's such a satisfying feeling. Um, and so I can kind of poke around at that. But it definitely was like, oh, God, okay, stands ended. And, like, I took a deep breath, and then I just looked at the next couple of months, and I was like, oh, (laughs) right, that's a lot of stuff that I am still going to be doing. And some of it's amazing. Like, I will work all day long on You're the Worst. I The fact that the schedules, the shooting schedules for for my two favorite shows I'm on – uh, on you know a semi regular basis mm-hmm. are are they happen to sometimes conflict with each other and so I wasn't able to work on that show uh, at all last month and I'm going to be able to do it this month I would not trade that for anything you know I wouldn't trade that for a vacation to Paris right. um, of course I want to do it that doesn't mean that you know there isn't part of me that's like but what if it started in October <laughs> but then it's like oh but if it started in October that's like I'm way steeped into sketch fest mode and so that's really hard so it's it's a lot and you know I don't have kids and my friends who do a ton of stuff and have children um those people are gods to me I don't <laughs> even know how they are doing it and I'm sure they would just say well I just do it you know what I mean yeah I have kids I'm not getting rid of them I love my work I'm not getting rid of that we just make it work yeah you know it is. It's. It sounds like such a cheap answer. You're just like, yeah. You just. You just do. You just make it work somehow. And it sounds like such a cheap answer, but it's true. You know. I mean, I am yeah. not nearly as busy as you. I, I. I will fully and readily admit that. You know, I have two kids. They take a lot of my time. I have basically oh, two full time jobs. Not a di- yeah. In addition to this podcast, you know, that takes up a lot of time that I never planned for. But it's like you do. You just <laughs> find time to make it work. You fill in the cracks. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely and also like i get a lot of sleep like people you know there are some people i always marvel at you know dana um gould who who created uh stand against people you know he was like we'll like we'll have a you know we'll have a a really long couple of days of shooting where there's you know sometimes you you sort of have to you know finish really late at night and then you can't start at the same time the next day you kind of have to just push it and start earlier and and you know the amount of time you have to kind of regroup and, and sleep and stuff is, is, uh, compromised. 
And so, you know, I'll come in and be like, you know, dragging my feet and like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta wake up. I gotta wake up. And I'll see him and I'll go like, how'd you, you know, how'd you do? How much sleep do you get? And he'll be like, I have five hours. I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, hold on. Cause five hours to me is, you know, yeah. Like I might, I almost might as well not have slept. <laughs> so I can't, I don't have that thing like, Oh, the president's, all the presidents just take, you know, five minute nap yeah. through the day and get four hours of sleep a night. And they, they're great. That's not me at all. I, yeah. if I get, you know, anything less than like seven hours, I am very aware that I didn't get enough sleep. I don't need nine, yeah. but I, I, you need, need a full night's sleep. Know? Yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do. Otherwise I become, I'm already like a child anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and have so like the, all of the kind of like, pressure points that a kid feels of like, I just want to cry when I'm tired. I just want to cry when I'm hungry. I just want to be cranky. I just want to be, it's like, I feel, you know, and I think probably a lot of artistic folks are like this. I'm not particularly proud of it. It's we're maybe we're just, I think I had, there's a maturity I've achieved in many ways that does make me a grown up um, and able to kind of do all this stuff. But for sure, I'm, and I'm hyper aware of like, Oh, I'm just, I, I'm so connected to being a baby. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. I guess, you know, (laughs) oh boy. Well, I hope not. I mean, I think there are times when I think it would be so awesome if I could just, you know, not get much sleep and just still be, you know, incredibly pleasant and more than that. Cause I think I can, I'm, I'm enough of a people pleaser that I guess that, that I, I sort of push through being pleasant almost all the time. (laughs) But, um, but but how I'm feeling internally, you know, yeah. where it's like something feels like it's terribly wrong in my life and I'm so sad. Oh, oh I'm hungry. That's it. Oh, OK. <laughs> That's Got easily it. fixable. Like, this can be solved with this can be solved with like a protein bar. And, and really, it's not the end of the world. Oh, OK. Well, that's a it's a very powerful instinctual feeling that <laughs> the world is crashing around me and it's low blood sugar. <laughs> You know, you you talked about, you know, how you came off a stand and, you know, you look at the next few months and you're still super busy. But like, even though you might say like, oh, it would be so nice if I could just have the summer off or if I could just have those two months to just sort of kick back and and take stock of things and, you know, redo my kitchen or something like that. Is there is there a part of you, though, that if you were faced with that, you'd be like, I don't work in these next two months. I might never work again. (laughs) yeah I think that's why I was saying like it would be really cool if um it's great when I mean I look at um I look at people who are for example doing films who are getting paid you know just mammoth amount of money to do one thing and uh and I think you can sort of see that you can I think I mean listen I could be dead wrong there I'm sure there are so many things going on behind the scenes that I have no idea about but if you take actors who tend to appear in what you notice anyway is, Oh yeah. You know, I feel like they're in like a movie a year or you see somebody where you go, well, they're just, they seem to be in everything. Now I know, you know, different (laughs) production schedules and sometimes things are shot two years before and then they come out, but you know, there are people you consistently feel like, well, they're just always in something. And, um, are those the people that have this kind of drive where they just, they just want to be working. And so they spend most of their year, you know, on a set somewhere in the world. And that's kind of what they do for 11 months out of the year, you know, give or take. Um, and then there are people who you kind of, you go, Oh, I love that person. And I feel like I see them every couple of years in a film, but they're, you know, famous enough that you sort of think, well, they're probably 
probably could be doing a lot more than they are. And I think, you know, potentially those people, some of those people have other stuff going on. Some of them are working, you know, in, you know, nonprofit organizations. Some of them are raising their families. Some of them are off writing and some of them are just like, guess what? I make a million dollars to make one movie. Um, I can, you know, the rest of the time I'm noodling on my guitar in the studio I built in my house and I'm really okay with it. (laughs) Um, So I think there's all this, you know, no matter what level you're on, there's probably um, a reflection of, of that mentality kind of everywhere. I think I am, I think that I, when you, when I know, when you know that you have something lined up, I, that does give you the opportunity to go, well, good, I know I have this job. So the anxiety of not working is not going to affect me in the same way. And I can really just chill out and, and, and feel secure that there's something coming up and the kind of like, yeah, like you said, having the summer off, that feels more like being a school kid, right? You know right. that what's around the corner in September. So you kind of maximize that time, but you also don't have this open span of, of time stretching out in front of you where you go, well, I hope this gets filled with something. So, um, I do feel like I have things I know will happen that would make it possible to just, you know, um, relax and, and really get the most of that. But again, there's, it's stuff that I'm excited about. You know, one of the projects I'm working on that I really need to get, um, that I need to get reinvolved in now that Stan is over is something that I, I'm doing just out of complete passion. So if I really didn't want to do it, I could just not do it, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, it's a good position to be in though, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. But again, you just, you know, when on the days when you're like, I don't, why do I, oh God, (laughs) why am I doing this? (laughs) Well, I mean, let's, so let's, as if you weren't busy enough, you know, you have your own podcast. I want to talk about that for a few minutes. I mean, originally, where did the inspiration for the JV Club come from? Well, you know, it's one of those things, it's kind of an obnoxious thing to say because I don't feel like this about that much. And I think there are people who um, are kind of have this relationship with their work where they where it feels very organic and, feel, you know, people say, like, I don't know, I just had the idea and it just, you know, right. something was channeling through me or whatever. Um, sometimes, I mean, most often that's definitely not the case for me, but this, this kind of did happen. I would say, um, is one of those things where it was kind of cooking for a long time, but then when I decided to really go for it, it took shape very, very quickly and felt very easy. But I think it was because of this long incubation process of, Oh, I want to do a podcast. Well, what would I do? Well, I don't know. What am I going to do? Talk about movies. People already do that better than I could. You know, this sort of all those like conversations that we have with ourselves um, when we're, you know, trying to make a thing from nothing. And um, again, there are some people who, you know, I'm friends with it and I've been people I'm not friends with, but people who I don't know that just seem to, you know, do something. They just don't think twice about it. They're like, well, yeah, I, I have this idea. I'm going to bring it out. I'm going to put it into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, someone I just interviewed for my podcast for the summer where I, that's, as you probably know, the only time I interview guys is, is over the summer, the rest of the time I interview women. Right. And, um, and I, and I was talking to him and sure enough, he just like turns out to be, you know, a guy who just kind of like, I don't know. I just, I've always had this sort of confidence. Um, you know, I always sort of felt like if I saw the way something was being done and I thought it could be done better, I would just go ahead and try to do it better. And, uh, and not really think too much about whether I was right or not. And, yeah. 
I just was so envious of that. Thought, <laughs> oh, God, the idea of just going, well, I'll just do it. Yeah. Um, it's so appealing to me because, you know, there was, there is so much stuff that I, I would second guess. And, um, and so I had wanted to do a podcast pretty much since, you know, just like Jimmy Pardo's podcast was one of the very first podcasts out there. And certainly the one, one of the ones I was aware of first. And I just loved him and I loved what he was doing. And he clearly was having such a great time. And, I loved being on his podcast and I would just think like, God, I would, you know, I think this might be something I would really enjoy, but I just don't know what the conceit would be, um, for me and, and enough podcasts existed by the time I was really thinking seriously about it that I, again, was just like, what's my thing. And, um, and, and so I knew all, like I was having that relationship to the idea of a podcast for months and months. Um, but then when I finally just decided to do one, that's the part where all of a sudden it just made perfect sense to me. And it wasn't even like, I can't remember a moment of where, you know, I can't remember a moment of like sitting in front of a notepad, you know, (laughs) scribbling out ideas or anything like that. I just suddenly was like, it it feel, and again, I I wish I could go back and like watch tape of it because maybe I'm wrong and that stuff was happening. (laughs) But my memory of it really was like, well, there aren't that many women podcasters. There aren't that many women guests on podcasts. It still feels like kind of a male dominated, you know, niche of comedy or, you know, broadcasting, however you want to look at it. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll just like, maybe it's just me and a woman. And, and then again, like I had always made the comparison that show business was like being in high school. Like it's a joke that is just sort of a, a standing joke I would bring up with other women at auditions and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, this idea that, you know, and, and, and certainly it was something that I feared when I lived in San Francisco and I felt like my value didn't accommodate the idea of being judged by my looks or being judged by my height or my weight or my talent or those things that, that felt very frivolous to me. And, uh, and so, you know, and then coming down to LA and feeling like those things suddenly mattered again, how long your hair was like, Oh, was your hair color is that preventing you from booking this, you know, uh, cereal <laughs> commercial? Like it just all felt so, surreal and so for you know years I had kind of made that joke and um and and so again it's like I'm like reverse engineering this where I'm saying like well I think it was all these things but at the time it really felt like I was like oh I just want to talk to people about their high school years yeah and I think I'll just talk to women because I don't feel like you're hearing from women very much and I think that you know I think that there can be a real lightness to what I'm doing but I also have this really sincere interest in doing something that hopefully will um, make feel, people feel good and and bring them some measure of self-esteem rather than you know just talking about random yeah. topics which isn't to say that you know those things don't get talked about on the podcast but I, I just thought that would be kind of a good anchor and again it was it was I wish I had that feeling about more stuff because when I when that happened it was so immediate I was like oh yeah this is what I should do Um, and then it just kind of, and then, and then, you know, there was, what I do remember is like doodling, uh, trying to figure out a name and doodling, like what the logo would be. Like, those are the moments where I was sort of, okay, now I've got this, (laughs) but now I have to hash this out. So I have old doodles of, you know, what I wanted the logo to be and stuff. And then, and then the test of reaching out to my first guest and thinking, you know, everyone has a podcast, which at the time everyone did. Now everyone has now a podcast. Now everybody does, but right. At the time it felt like that. <laughs> it felt like everyone has a podcast, you know, or people even want to do this. And and so that was the real test. And I think proof was when I started reaching out to women um, kind of nervously and tentatively, everybody just 
you know, to the person was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. That sounds great. That sounds great. That sounds helpful. It sounds, thank you for not asking me about my current personal life. But yes, I am very comfortable talking about, you know, these kind of vulnerable years that are behind me enough that I can have, have a sense of humor about them. And so that all just felt very serendipitous because it's like, oh, okay, well, other people are, they like this idea too enough that I was able to get these, you know, phenomenal guests at the beginning and, um, and feel like I had not made a, you know, a, a bad idea come to life. Yeah. Well, you've had a lot of guests on your podcast. Um, I've li- listened to a few of them, um, but I, I did go back and look at like who some of the earlier ones were versus now. And uh, what, what I immediately thought of, you mentioned like at first you were kind of nervous. I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of passed a bit by now, but, um, is there one or two that just kind of stands out to you either that maybe you were so nervous when you asked them or, or when you were having the conversation or you were just shocked, they said yes. Um, so that one stands out or, or just a one that maybe just the conversation and just went this way you didn't expect. And it was so wonderful that that kind of stands out to you. Do you have a couple of those? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, like, especially when you look at, at the guests I had within my first year, there are a couple that there are people that very much fit into the community that I'm a part of. And then there are people that you kind of go, where'd that come from? And, and absolutely, <laughs> Connie Chung is one of those. Um, I and, and the other thing that makes that particularly unique is that most of the time my guests come to me. And in this case, I went to um, Connie Chung's apartment in the Dakota in New York City. So that will always stand out to me for the rest of my life. That's I will awesome. never forget doing that podcast. <laughs> um, uh, it was, she was, she was somebody that I had been in touch with through, um, because she was slated to, uh, moderate, uh, the, the tribute that I was doing to that, that my partners and I were doing, uh, through SF Sketchfest to Diane English and Candace Bergen for Murphy Brown. And that was kind of a pet project of mine. And uh, I'm just a huge fan of those women. And, and I love, I just love Candace and I love that character. And she was obviously, you know, really key um, in the time frame that that was on, uh, that that TV show was on. And, and they had suggested, well, why don't we have Connie moderate it? And so they had put me in touch with her. And so she and I were, you know, in touch a lot and chatting and kind of become very friendly via email um, in preparing for this. And then um, her flight was canceled because of a terrible storm in New York that very day. And so she couldn't come. And, uh, and so we were both kind of bummed out that we never got a chance to meet in person. And I just thought as I was, had start, started recording episodes of the podcast and I knew I was going to be in New York. Um, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to ask her. All she can say is no. And she immediately <laughs> said yes and invited me to her home. And so that, that was really, uh, really remarkable. And I'm, I think, you know, because she had said yes so early on, uh, that did give me the, the courage to go, okay, well, I can, you know, who knows what's possible? Who knows? And if I had more time to just seek out guests for the podcast, and that was kind of my number one job, I, I think I probably would have had, you know, a bunch of like, disconnected people I don't know who are super, super famous from other environments. Unfortunately, that's just not something I've been able to do. Sometimes my, it really is as simple as like, I'm shooting this week on this show and I need to guess for my podcast. Hello, person I'm shooting with that I just met. Would you like to be on my podcast? That's what I have time for. 
So that is, you know, that is very, very common to, to the podcast, but, um, but it, it definitely gave me, you know, it was such a wonderful experience. Uh, it gave me a lot of confidence or at least hope and, and optimism about where the podcast was going. So that was, that was, uh, that was a very extraordinary one. Um, that that that's kind of an outlier in terms of like the most kind of like what um but but you know there are other ones that you know just um ones that that you know get particularly emotional because of things that people have gone through that we end up talking about that i don't expect to be talking about um that really resonate um you know i i i one that just pops to mind is my friend stephanie escajeda who is not you know, Connie Chung famous by any stretch of the imagination, but is a absurdly talent comedian, um, sketch art, you know, actress does stand up. Uh, and I didn't know that her brother had died uh, of AIDS when she was in high school. And Mm -hmm. so those kinds of stories that people Mm -hmm. are willing to talk about and, um, and process, uh, for me are, you know, it's just deeply moving and, and surprising and, also representative of the fact that, you know, I think there's always some pretty silly, funny stuff that happens in the podcast, but that I'm not afraid of sure. just dig- digging in, you know, really, and just really talking about painful stuff. Cause I get a lot of notes from people after those kinds of episodes where they say, you know, I went through something like that, or I have a deeper understanding of what it must be like to go through something like that, 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 um, that hit you on this, this profound level of gratitude. Like I can't, you know, I, no matter what happens to me tomorrow, um, that I had any hand in facilitating something that helped someone's, um, life in that way, even just a small way feels, you know, just like incredibly gratifying. And, um, you know, that's, that's very different than like, you know, oh, you made me laugh on in this improv show you were in, which is also incredibly fun and wonderful, and I wouldn't change that for the world. But yeah. uh, it's a different. It it kind of pushes a different button and makes you feel like, okay, I'm not like I've done something. And both my parents were teachers, and I feel like they just impacted kids' lives on such a profound level and have had this like ripple effect in so many ways through education. That you know, whatever. Um, guilt I have about like doing this thing that sometimes feels kind of frivolous and self-serving. It, it just feels really nice to know that that's not always what's happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you, you, so you, you mean you're a performer, you're, you're used to working in front of an audience, you know, whether you're doing stand up or something like thrilling adventure hour, or you're in front of the camera, you know, there's a huge, you're, you're on set and there's a huge crew around you. Um, does it ever, is it ever jarring or is it ever like strange to sit down to do a podcast, which is relatively isolated? And, you know, like you were just saying, like it'd be like intensely personal, something that, you know, as much as you enjoy your other projects, it, they're wildly different. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, the, I'm that it, it, it on some levels that feels more comfortable to me. I'm an only child and I spent a lot of time by myself as a kid. And yeah. I, I really ultimately am, um, an introvert, which always like, it seems that seems so un, unbelievable and impossible to me. Uh, because we think of, I, I think, you know, I think people understand it differently now. And, and I'm one of those people who understands it differently now, uh, that like, Oh, if you're an introvert, that means you're shy. 
Right. Um, and that you, you know, you don't seek out crowds or that you wouldn't be a performer or you wouldn't, you know, that you, you want to, you're, you're a graphic designer because you can do all of your work at home in front of your computer. Um, <laughs> you know, while that may be true, uh, in some cases, I, I think it's also, you know, where do you, and I've talked about this on a podcast before, but kind of where do you, how do you juice back up? You know, how do you, um, where do you get your, your, your strength or your, you know, your energy from? And, um, for some people, they really do feel that with other people and, you know, they, they, they need to be around people and kind of feeding off that energy all the time. And, um, and that's not really true for me. I mean, that's, it's a really important part of who I am. And obviously it's, what I have is a very social job and I'm very lucky in that way. But, um, I, I, I'm, I really like being alone a lot. <laughs> and so, um, so for me, and, and I spent so much time as a kid alone and so much time just one-on-one, I didn't have, the, I wouldn't say that consistently the way I remember my childhood or my teenage years or my college years was like with a big group of people. Um, uh, it was very, very much more often like me and one other person. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that doesn't mean I had one best friend or anything like that, but it would just be me and this person or me and that person or me and that person. Right. Sometimes there would be people all hanging out together, but, um, that's not, that would, I wouldn't say that was the norm for me. So in, in many ways, the podcast feels the most comfortable because it, it feels very familiar. That's what you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you also a podcast listener? I am. I, uh, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I don't listen to, uh, really any comedy podcasts or any podcasts of people I know for the most part. Um, yeah, I don't, I think, uh, no, I, I, I really don't. I, I, I listen to a ton of podcasts and uh, the vast majority of them are all in the sort of, um, either like, you know, radio lab, this American life, Mm -hmm. invisibilia, kind of realm or uh i listen to like you know, law and crime podcasts <laughs> so many so many it's a real uh rabbit hole you can fall into when it comes to that yeah. um so you know i mean i it, like obviously everyone listens to serial but there are people who uh that's just one of like 10 of those kinds of podcasts uh that we listen to yeah so um so yeah, that's, that's, that's where, um, that's like how I, uh, decompress is to listen to like a podcast, like undisclosed. It just makes me so angry and, 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 and like, just, I'll just like storm around, like just exploding about injustices in the world. That's my way of like relaxing. <laughs> is I, I'm interested that you don't listen to shows from people you know or from other comedy shows is that i mean obviously it sounds like that's an intentional decision that you made but is it because there's just not enough hours in the day or is it something else is it just you don't want to you know be influenced by by that comedy or somebody else's take? i don't yeah i and it's and it's funny it's not it's not even um it doesn't it, it never started as an intentional choice and i don't think uh that it is intentional like it's not a decision it's just it's it's only a decision in the way that um well this is a bad example because that makes it sound like i don't like them and that's not true but you know if someone's like hey do you want to go you know have mediterranean food and you're like well listen i've I've had a lot of mediterranean food i don't really like it so let's not go there it's not that because it's i these are the people that i love and respect um it's just that's my if that's 
it's so much uh, my my social and my work life that um, that like I'll use Jimmy's as an example. Um, I, I I love those guys, and uh, it is so frustrating uh, not being able to talk to them and have them answer me if I'm listening to them. <laughs> that, uh, I don't I don't I need like I need to engage because I know them. I need to kind of engage. It's hard for me, and and that's not true for everyone. Like. I mean, there are a couple that that I listen to, like I'll listen to spontaneous and that I'm not on uh, because they're totally improvised and, and mm-hmm. it's really fun. But I still kind of wish I were playing. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably just a really selfish. <laughs> it's that um, that lo- like listening to a comedy podcast. It uh, it doesn't relax me at all. It um, it makes me want to play uh, with them. And yeah. that also feels like work. So there's there's a level of tension. It's a very positive tension um, and excitement. Uh, but I'm also thinking it through, like I'm thinking about maybe in the same way uh, filmmakers, uh, they can really appreciate other people's work, but they are still thinking about the mechanics right. of it. So there's a different part of your brain that kicks in. Whereas if I'm just listening to something that doesn't have anyone I know on it and doesn't involve anything that I do on a regular basis for work, uh, there's got to be some part of my brain that's quieted, even if everything else is kind of being activated. And it's the same thing with like watching, like watching comedies and watching uh, funny movies. I rarely do it. I I have so much Hmm. laughter in my life. It's not that I don't like laughing. I feel like I laugh all day, every day. Uh, but I don't, I don't, and again, it's not that I'm like, I'm not going to watch that because I might be influenced by it, or I'm not going to watch that because three of my friends are on it and I'll just wonder how they're doing and, you know, yeah, yeah. want to call them and then that, that, you know, whatever it, it isn't really that. But like I watch, for example, I, 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 I don't know why, but for, I finally watched, um, Spy, uh, with Melissa McCarthy, um, oh, right, right, and, right, right. Yeah. uh, and, and and as I was watching it with my boyfriend, uh, and we were, you know, greatly enjoying it, I was like, isn't this novel? We're watching a comedy. You're watching a comedic movie with me. Are you freaking out? Do you even know what to do right now? Uh, and he was like, yeah, this is like uh, the most, uh, this is a completely surreal. I can't believe we're watching this movie. But the, all that being said, I, I was not re- particularly relaxed. I was like, I love Paul Feig. I know Paul Feig. I've worked with Paul Feig. Yeah. I want to work with Paul Feig all the time. He's so amazing. What's his background again? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. He loves working with women. And da da da. What are the other movies that are done really well for him? Wow, I should call him. Why well, yeah. should I call him? Because I don't know him that well. I mean, it, it, all of that stuff is happening. So it's definitely not like when I watch like BBC shows, which I love. Yeah, I'm watching them because that's my Hollywood now. My Hollywood is like, oh my god, I'm such a huge fan of this BBC show with all these people I'll never meet on it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> living in a in a universe that I don't know that is a totally different world and it's on another continent. That feels like that kind of Hollywood to me. You know. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It's, it's it's a way for you to, you know, quote unquote, turn off your brain. You know, it's like to leave work at work and to be able to enjoy something else without thinking of the mechanics of it, without getting too involved professionally with it. You could just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, it's not even that that's not a thing that was a conscious choice. But yeah. Once you start observing your habits or other people, I've definitely had 
people in my life point out, like, why don't you ever want to go see a funny movie? Yeah. Um, you start to you start to see the pattern, and then you have to explain it again. The kind of reverse engineering, like, oh yeah, I guess I don't ever feel like doing that. Well, why not? Well, now I, you know, yeah. okay, well, it must be because X Y Z. Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, I I have to ask though. Um, you know, obviously I do a podcast. I've had my own share of technical disasters. I need to know what yours are. The worst technical disaster you've had. Oh, well, for me, it was, it's just mic problems or I, you know, I don't record in a studio and I don't record with a producer. So, um, every time I have someone on my podcast, I feel like I'm taking a little bit of a chance because, uh, I don't have headphones on. I I find that distracting. It's hard to kind of, I'll do, I mean, I'll, if I go to someone else's podcast, I'll wear headphones all day long and I'll sit in a studio and, you know, lean into a microphone and all that. That's just not kind of how yeah. I set mine up. And so, um, now doing that would feel very unnatural, but I've definitely had situations where, um, well, it just happened with, uh, Rishi Hirkesh, who has his own couple of amazing podcasts. Yeah. Um, and he was a recent one that I released. Uh, he was over and we were recording and, um, I got, I, I keep my, computer open in front of me with garage band open so I can see the levels I can see and so I'll know if like there's a flat line but sometimes I'll just get so caught up in whatever we're talking about that I won't realize that something's happened and that totally happened with Rishi where I was recording and I suddenly just glanced down at my computer and he was a total flat line oh. and I had no idea when it had happened. I didn't know how long we've been talking. I knew I was real into whatever we've been talking about. Luckily it was only like three minutes and we were just able to completely recreate what we had just said. And he yeah. was a great sport about it. <laughs> but my, the first feeling you have is just utter oh, yeah. horror and total panic. embarrassment and panic. And I was, uh, he was so sweet because immediately again, because he has his own podcast, I was like, oh, my God, Rishi, oh, God, don't hate me. I'm so sorry. I have to, fall. I have to stop this. I have to stop this. I'm flat. You, 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 there's no sound coming from your microphone. I don't know what's going on. And it just turned out to be some kind of, you know, like I'm sure it was like a connection issue with the microphone, whatever it was. We yeah. giggled it and it was fine. Um, but I, 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 I have to say I don't know, you know, I don't know how long this has been happening. And yeah. he was so sweet about it. He's like, well, do you just want to start over? And I was like, no, no, I don't think we're going to have to do that. Let me just back up. And I said, I'm just so – I'm so horrified. And he said, and I can't remember who it was that that's happened to, and I'm sure he wouldn't want me to yeah, sure. say anyway, but yeah. he just mentioned, he was like, oh, that's okay. He's like, I totally get it. That happened to me with blank. And I was so horrified. And, you know, uh, yeah. and so he just put me at ease so quickly just to have somebody who also has a podcast yeah. because everyone's gone through this. Yeah, everyone. It's um, such an to awful that, feeling too. Oh God. It, the worst, but I will tell you the worst that happened, the worst, was um my friend christy stratton man who i ended up doing uh the the everyone's crazy but us um web series uh with Dietrich bader um said i just one of my favorite things i've ever done i wish we could just do that as a show all day uh every day um uh, i had her and the whole file was corrupted and that's the only time that's ever happened to me the entire file was unusable and it was such a great episode and it meant so much to her to do it because she is a brilliant uh, comedy writer, but she's not in she's she's not an, on camera that much. She she doesn't get asked to do stuff all the time. Some people it's like, oh, I did your podcast, it didn't work out. Like that's okay, I did five other podcasts yeah. that same week or whatever. <laughs> um, but because she and I had had such a great time doing it, and and her stories were so great, she was just heartbroken. 
And uh, I've never felt worse than mm. I did when I had to call her and say that I lost it. And I said, you know, of course I want to do it again, but does that feel, you know, I, 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 I don't want to ask you to, you know, just redo it that, just as yeah. a favor to me. Yeah. And she, and she ended up coming over like a week later and she, we sort of both had the week to like get over it and not feel so horrible <laughs> about it. Something <laughs> happened and she came over and, you know, we had an amazing time and it was great and we did it all over again. And it was, you know, it was, it turned out to be great and it was a wonderful episode and, you know, well, our love remained intact, but <laughs> that was the only time I've ever just had to go, Oh my God, we lost it all. Yeah. We lost it all. Yeah. And, uh, it was such a horrible feeling. Yeah. It, but like you said, it is, it is so nice to hear from somebody else that, you know, like you were saying with Rishi, it was just like, it's okay. It, it happens to everybody, you know, it's, I mean, it's not yeah. nice. You still have that terrible. You're not a sink. bad person. Right. Exactly. You have that terrible <laughs> yeah. sinking feeling in your stomach. Like you're the worst person ever, but it, that, you know, life goes on. It's happened to everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can always remember that I said that to you too. So yes. we all have our little network yeah, of, I of positive that. support and reassurance. <laughs> yeah. I guess my version of that would be forgetting to put mute on at work. <laughs> And uh, oh, sure. I, I have a I have a corporate day job. And uh, yeah, that's happened a few times where I've been kind of mumbling about something someone said and realized, whoops, oh. I'm not on mute. Yeah. yeah, it's such a specific that one. That's a little bit. I mean, it's it's horrifying. It's also like I, I associate the physical feeling of that versus like the horror of, oh, my God, we lost this. Yeah. Is a different. It's like that's the horror of the absence of something. It's a different kind of physical response to not we lost something, but you heard something you shouldn't have. <laughs> it's like my whole body prickled immediately, like immediate prickles all through my body, like adrenaline, just like ah! no, please tell me, please tell me you didn't hear that. <laughs> um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Um. We- I know we, we, we have a lot of, I want, there's a lot of things I still want to ask you about, but I don't know what we'll get to. We'll see what we get to. But I want, I was just curious, were you a fan of Avatar before you got the job on Korra? Yeah. Um, I had just, uh, started watching the first series before I even got the audition or knew that there was going to be uh, a second series. And, um, I, I thought it was so great and so charming and terrific that I immediately had to stop watching it uh, during the process of auditioning for Cora because I was too, I was, I, it, it amped me up too much. I huh. wanted it too much and I was, uh, I got too excited about it. So I, and that was very scary. So I just was like, let me just go ahead and put this out of my mind and, and not try not to think too much about um, what I think about this. Cause I, I, I wanted it so much. That's interesting. So you hadn't watched the whole thing before you, uh, you, before the, no, no, no. Um, no, I had probably off like a couple months before, um, had finally had kind of dived into that, yeah. that world. Cause so many people had told me this is a, you know, this is a thing that, that you need to watch. It's not for kids. I mean, it is, but yeah. it's, it's, it's like Pixar stuff. There's, you know, don't deprive yourself of something amazing because it's on a kid's channel or whatever. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions, but you know, it, it seems like getting the starring role on a show like that, that's so high profile, that would open a lot of doors professionally. Do you think that Cora is the project that opened the most doors or was it something else or was it just a mixture of, of everything that you do? Um, that's a 
great question. Well, you know, it's funny because voiceover is such a different universe yeah. than uh, than on camera, and because on camera is kind of what my focus has been and continues to be, I don't know that I would say. Um, I, I think the only doors I would say it opened for me professionally is just doing comic cons. Mm. That was a, a thing I had no connection to whatsoever and no real understanding of until Cora. And then when I started being invited to go do them and doing them, it quickly became, you know, just like a, a thing that I really loved uh, because this whole notion of getting to meet fans in person and hear about their own personal relationship to the, to the shows, uh, both Cora and Avatar, of course, um, and get to, you know, meet other people who had been part of the first show or part of other shows in the animation world that I like, you know, just all that kind of stuff really was, um, that really does feel like a metaphorical kind of door opening where you look on the other side and you go, Oh my God, there's this whole world going on in this, in the business that I didn't have any part in and didn't really even know was there. Um, to this degree. And so that, that really did change my life um, in a huge way. Uh, I wouldn't say that it, again, listen, if I, if it had opened that many voiceover doors for me, I would be on a million different voiceover shows, <laughs> you know, and I'm not. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that, I don't know that it changed my professional career in any way other than that my um, connection with fans my connection with people um, who like watching it and who uh, do cons or part of the Comic-Con world or um, anime or expo, stuff like that, uh, that drastically changed my work Yeah, in a great way. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, because it would seem, like I said, it, it seems like that's the kind of thing that would have, like, really opened the floodgates, at least in terms of voiceover. And it's, um, it's really interesting. That's eye-opening, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, you still audition for everything. Sure. So, um, a lot of it is that I don't, uh, I don't necessarily, like, I, tr I, I didn't audition for a ton of amazing animation jobs um, when I was in Atlanta because I just, I couldn't, I just didn't have time. Um, I, I would even, I would see an, uh, I would see an audition come through and I'd go, oh God, I would love to, I would love to get that part. And I would bring my gear to set with me to record in my trailer and I literally would not have time to do it. Yeah. And I would just go, goodbye job. You know, not that I would have gotten it, but, um, <laughs> but there's a ton of stuff I don't even have uh, time to audition for. Um, I'm sure there's stuff that I don't get asked to audition for for one reason or another. And then that world is very um, like the thing about the thing that's amazing about voiceover is that you don't have to look a certain way to be a certain character. So you have people who once you work with someone a couple of times and you see what they're capable of, you just want to pick them all the time. So it's really fantastic for people who, who are in that world and become part of that cycle because they'll just get offered everything. And sometimes they'll audition for it and sometimes they won't. Um, but it's, and I get it. It's, I, it's, listen, if I were a, a, a person who was on my fourth cartoon that I created mm. and every time I worked with the same person, they brought a different thing to the table and they did a different kind of voice and I knew they were professional and fun and great and I loved them as a person, I would want to work with them instead of me, you know? <laughs> so it's, I, I totally get it. Um, but, you know, that's, I think there, that's again another part of my career where I would really have to make that the priority to get to that place. Yeah. And I just haven't been willing to do yeah. that. That doesn't mean that I don't get some really fun, great jobs. It's just, um, it just hasn't been something that I've, I've, 
put my time and heart and soul sure. into the way um, some people have who are, you know, really doing that full time and who are just, you know, I'm in, again, in complete awe of who just their skills and um, their talent are just off the charts. Yeah. Um, speaking of people whose talent is completely off the charts, how amazing of an experience was Neil's Puppet Dreams? Oh, uh, just amazing. <laughs> just amazing. Um, how did yeah, that come, how did that come about originally? Well, uh, Neil and I had known each other for years and had known that we both were huge Henson Company nerd fans. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to do this show uh, called Puppet Up that then became something called Stuffed and Unstrung that had a Broadway run and does touring company stuff now and under that name. I don't think they've gone back to being called Puppet Up again. Uh, I think they're still stuffed and unstrung, but those, those puppeteers, uh, some of whom I am now lucky enough to call friends are, uh, are just, their skill set is beyond. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, so Neil and I were, were just friends socially. Um, I had done, man, I had him working on how I met your mother 10 years ago or however long ago it was. And, um, uh, so, the, so we had that connection. So we both love the Henson company and, and we both had done a little bit of stuff with them. <clears throat> and then Chris Hardwick uh, did a partnership, some sort of like development deal or something with the Henson company. They were going to do a couple of different things. And he was the one who called uh, me and called uh, Neil and said, Hey, would you guys want to do something um, for Nerdist with, the, with the Henson Company and Neil and I were both like, yeah, done, let's do it. Yeah. And so Nerdist didn't really have anything to do with the show other than that it, you know, it put that deal together and, and it was part of the Nerdist, um, you know, on YouTube, it's like, yeah. it would fall under Nerdist for review for that. Those shows that we did. Uh, and, and then, you know, we, we created and wrote it and, and shot it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was just a total, joy i mean it was yeah truly like a labor of love and we've been wanting to do a second season for the entirety of since we wrapped the first season <laughs> and um between the schedules of like the three kind of proprietary members being neil and his husband david and me uh our schedules are all always the opposite right. so and then we have these amazing writers who work on it so um <laughs> it's something that we have, like, we have a show ready to go. It's just a matter of when, how, where, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But I, I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. Yeah. It'd be great to see some more. It was, they were just so much fun. And uh, it, you could tell that everybody working on it uh, with, just had fun doing it. You know, it was just like a, just like a, like you were saying, like a labor of love. You know, it's not something that anybody went to do and this is work. You know, this was, it just looked fun. Absolutely. Well, thanks for saying that. That's always really nice to hear about that. Yeah. About that particular show. Um, SF Sketchfest. Uh, Sixteen years has it really been? Ugh, yeah, <laughs> that's so crazy. <laughs> that's how I. That's the. That's the main because that's one of the only consistent things in my work life. That's like I think the equivalent of having a sixteen-year-old kid, where you don't really feel your age. Until someone points that out, and then you're like, "Well, I guess if I've been doing this long enough to have a 16 year old kid, that yeah. means I'm 16 years older than when it started." So yeah. that's incontrovertible. <laughs> um, so I'm very, I'm very aware of uh, of of that having been the 16 year old uh, thing. But um, yeah, it's still it's going, and it's you know it's it big, growing, and it's right? uh, it's got we've got an amazing group of people who come in and help us out with it. 
um, every year and uh, it t- early, we have to start earlier and earlier working on it each year, the bigger it gets. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way to be connected to the city of San Francisco, which I still love very much. So that's, that's a, a wonderful side effect that I would say is kind of more important than being called a side effect. Yeah. To me personally. Yeah. What are you, um, what are you most excited about this year? Uh, well, we're really, this is, this is a, still a little early to be planning programming. So now we're sort of, the stuff that we work on this time of year is principally like trying, you know, trying to get sponsorships and talk about the venues that we're going to be using and, um, uh, kind of basic, like organizational managerial kind of housekeeping sort of stuff. And, uh, we start, um, we always have ideas going around between my partners and me, but, um, so this is a good, like kind of brainstorming time. And, uh, and then we'll start doing outreach a little bit later this summer. I can't say like, Oh, I have this thing confirmed, um, at this point. Uh, but you know, there's always, there's always stuff that we go, Oh my God, I can't believe that worked out. Yeah. And there's a lot of the stuff that there's a lot of the same kind of thing that you and I were talking about at the beginning of the podcast where, you know, there's a lot of like, Oh my God, we've been trying to do this for five years. We've been trying to do this for 10 years. I can't believe this year is finally the year it came together, you know? Yeah. So just keeping with the sketch comedy theme there, uh, what is your feel on sketch comedy and television? Um, it, It kind of, peaked up there for a while and now it's kind of died back down. I mean, other than say like Saturday night live, which is different, uh, you know, it's not really what we think of as sketch comedy. At least I don't, uh, what do you feel the future is in that? Do you, do you see it on a rise again? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a, I think Sam, the way you put it is, is kind of how I feel about it, which is just, I think things come in waves, right? There's just always, there will be this sort of like, for whatever reason, the kind of cultural zeitgeist will suddenly there will be, you know, five great sketch shows on TV and then there will just be one and then there will be five again and then there will be two. So I don't know why it happens that way, except that I think that's kind of, maybe that's just a microcosm of like the way entertainment works in general, maybe. Um, the sort of, you know, you sort of, even with something like SNL, you know, everyone kind of has their, perception of like the golden years or, you know, well, the, the, you know, this group was amazing. And then the next group, like I didn't like as much as some people love. And then the group after that, everyone thinks it's so, you know, so there's a sort of like ebb and flow of, of the perception since it's also subjective um, of, of it. But I think um, what, what I, what I'm excited about and what I think is just going to continue to happen is, um, is the kind of not necessarily the reinvention of the form, but just different ways of having really unique um, sensibilities coming through where you have something like Key and Peel that it just is so definitively itself. Like it just, you know, it's so varied and there's so much different um, stuff that they brought to the show and, and just mm-hmm. that's such an amazing for writers and, just like what, what a, what a phenomenal, like a phenomenon, like an actual phenomenon that show was on so many levels. Um, and it was so itself. And then, you know, you have something like Broad City, which again is like, it's just very much itself. It, and it's different than anything else. And, and you have Portlandia different than anything else. And yeah. people, I think really, I think we're in a, a time where people love world building. So I think perhaps we'll see more and more of that where you sort of have this, you know, this world that you get to see where you have these 
recurring characters again, like with Port- Portlandia being probably the best example, but you know, this, um, mm-hmm. even with them playing these different characters that you kind of come to know and love where you get to see them in all these different situations and they're all part of this kind of universe that's been created. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of that just because I think, again, that kind of world building is so beloved right now, mm-hmm. even just with, you know, again, like, you know, um, experientially, like people don't want to go to Comic-Con and like do a zombie walk with a walking dead or, you know, uh, <laughs> feel like they're, they're a part of, they're in on something or part of something. Um, and, you know, or, you know, like the, the, the obsession of like knowing every little tidbit about the family hierarchies of Game of Thrones, because it becomes <laughs> very exciting to sort of have, feel like you have a grasp on how all of those pieces fit together. I think that's, um, that's just kind of like something that people are excited about now. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was more and more stuff like that. You mentioned the Game of Thrones thing. I don't even think George R. R. Martin knows how all those pieces fit together. Um, and I've read the book. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. I think he probably was like, oh, I have a, I have a staff of people who have to keep track of that for me. <laughs> like a huge crazy flow chart on a whiteboard somewhere. Yeah, his interns. Yes, yeah. they're just George R. Martin interns that uh, that he has to go like, Chloe, uh, you're going to know most about uh, you know, Stannis Baratheon and his whole crew. Did I already create someone who blah, blah, blah? <laughs> so now I'm picturing like from, um, oh, uh, what was the Meryl Streep movie where she was the designer? Um the really mean oh, Devil uh, Wears Prada. Yeah, Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Yeah. You remember how she had the, yeah. the girls had to follow her everywhere and feed her information. So yeah. <laughs> she that's didn't right. have to remember that's it. Right. That's that's it. There's some <laughs> weird uh, version of that in, in his world. I just hope they're not topless in his version. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> uh, well, I do want to ask a specific question, if I may, about Stan Against Evil. Because that show looks like so much freaking fun to me to work on. Um, it looks like it's hard work at times. I mean, I, I, I you've been tied to the stake at least once. Um, For sure. I've been choked many times on that show. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to go there. That one just seems like a nightly yeah. occurrence. But so yeah, would you yeah. say... <clears throat> Would you say like, because I, I always like to get a feel from people on what the other folks are like to work with, not necessarily particular people, but on that show in particular, would you say those folks are as crazy, more crazy, or just as crazy as you are? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think they're more crazy. Um, are they less crazy? No, they're definitely not less crazy. I guess we're, I guess they're as crazy. Um <laughs> That is a that I, I uh, that is a, a group of people who um, know who they are. They all uh, know who they are on a really um, cool level. Like they all, and I'm specifically speaking of like when I think about like our directors um, and Dana and our uh, director of photography and Johnny and Deb and Nate and me. I think we all. Um, we all have a really strong sense of who we are. And that means that we also know what our, uh, like our, we, we know what our pluses and minuses are. And I think that we are comfortable, um, letting other people be better at things than we are. Uh, and being, I think it's a, it's just a, a really collaborative group. And I think, you know, Dana definitely sets that tone. He doesn't kind of come in and go, I know what I want. I know what this is supposed to be like. And I'm, and, and it's my way or the highway. He, 
is so um, I, we would all just do everything as written if he wanted us to, but, uh, <laughs> but he gets really excited about someone else's take on something or, you know, in the moment, someone being like, Hey, is it weird? But I feel like, what is it, could we do one where my character reacts this way instead? Is that crazy? Um, he's just very, he just is, he's very, very present and very, um, he's a huge, huge, huge part that, you know, of, of the shooting process. And, um, and he just, he just loves that. He loves that. He feeds off of that. And so when you have that kind of environment from the top down, um, I think it, it's just, uh, it's a really safe environment to kind of try stuff. And, um, you know, it's fast and furious. We, we work really, really quickly and um, we have to get a lot done in a short period of time. And it's also a, a very technical show and there's monsters and puppets and goo and blowing stuff <laughs> up and all that stuff. So everyone has to be on point and um, in a way that I've never experienced on anything I've ever worked on before. Um, I think everyone does have to work harder uh, for all of those reasons. Um, and, and, and I'm just completely in awe of our, our team. And, you know, I feel very emotional about it now because we just wrapped uh, and it's really hard to say goodbye to people. That's this weird thing that we do, um, in this business. If you're on a set, if you're a person who works on the set, whether you're a PA or a key grip or, you know, wardrobe or an actor, you're just, you're, you're thrown into this incredibly intense environment with people for a short period of time, like boot camp or like some sort of, you know, artistic, uh, prison, but in a good way, um, <laughs> where you just, you know, you're, you sort of go through like this. It's, it's, it's certainly not as important or as meaningful uh, or as, you know, like I would never compare it to like being in a war because obviously there's like a thousand things that are different about it that um, make what we do like stupid and silly. Um, but there, but there is there, whatever the artistic version of trauma is, there is this sort of like <laughs> bonding thing that happens where if you're working um, under a tight timeline with a lot of demands, uh, you come to kind of love and trust each other very quickly. And then it's, it's, it's this weird violent thing where you just get yanked right back out of that again. Um, Mm. and so it's, it's hard to say goodbye. It was very emotional for me to finish. I'm glad that I wasn't in the last scene. I was, my scene was the second to last, uh, when we wrapped on Mm. Friday. And so, um, it was, I think, for the best because they, that we, they had to move on. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was my, you know, we, we, we all stopped and like I, some uh, people said some really lovely things and I got a chance to thank everybody and, um, you know, hug a few people. But it was like everybody looked at their watches and was like, we got to keep going, guys. And I really am glad about that because it enabled me, it forced me to just kind of go, okay, guys, keep going, keep going, keep, you know, go on without me, (laughs) get your last scene. I love you. You know, I want you to end on time and, and to leave. But, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's emotional and it's, you know, it's, it's a different city. So these aren't people with the exception of the LA people, these aren't people that I get to see unless we're shooting. So, um, you know, I really hope we get a season three because I miss all those guys already. Yeah. Jen, I know we have taken a lot of your time, and I don't want to overstay our welcome if we haven't already. Um, but Sam, you have not. <laughs> I'm gonna let Sam uh, round this out. Sam, you want to ask her the uh, the candy one? 
So, yeah, oh, this, this I'm excited up, about this without knowing anything. <laughs> yeah, just randomly, uh, you know, just trying to, to ask a silly question, right, to, to wrap up at the end. Uh, and, I, and I asked this um, of Greg Proops when we interviewed him. It seemed to go over well, so I thought I would try it on you. So if you had to describe yourself as one type of candy, what type of candy would you be and why? Oh, God. Of course, Greg probably had the best answer in the world. He had a really good one. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. You're going to have to tell me what it is afterwards so that I can kick myself for not being as clever. Um, God, that's so good. Oh, I, this is where, how people feel when I do mash with them, except I do it to them eight times over, um, and make them come up with three of everything. I'm, I'm never, I'm so cruel. I realize now. Um, okay. Let me just, let me pause for one second. Everyone uh, who's listening to this, just take a moment to like, check your messages. Just like look to see if you miss any texts. Um, let me just think, okay. Um, okay. God, it's so funny. It's like, it's all, all of a sudden I had this rush of all these candies that I'm not, I was like, Oh, Cadbury cream eggs. No, I'm like, not that. I'm not all mush. I'm not all mush beneath a crunchy exterior. Um, and then you just kind of want to pick a candy you like, but it's like, well, what, what, how, like again, reverse engineering. That's the theme of this podcast episode. Reverse engineering. What am I? We're gonna reverse engineer being a frozen Snickers bar. Like, what am I? You know what I mean? What is that? What, what does that even mean? Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm nutty. Oh, I'm so nutty. Uh, I love okay. that she's overthinking just, this so much. I really. I, I know am. she really, I really is. She's stressed. <laughs> Let me just sit back. I'm just gonna think about this. Um. I'm not, I mean, like, I don't want to be a peak because no one wants those and they're the butt of everyone's joke. <laughs> I um, like peeps. I love peeps. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you like peeps. Someone, <laughs> someone just made a joke about that and I laughed really hard that like, the, that it was like the candy that you would never buy for yourself, but that everyone wants to give everyone yeah, else during Easter. I, det- I detest it. Um, yeah, it's marshmallow. That's, that's pretty intense. Um, a candy, a candy, a candy. Uh, I'm really walking you through my process because I don't want to That's keep fine. I love, the, I love this boring. insight into your into your thought process. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, if not, if we never arrive at anything, you'll know why. <laughs> I mean, chocolate. It's like in my the chocolate feels very rich and luxuriant. I don't I don't know that I would even though I love chocolate. Would I identify as chocolate? This is also how I am about the idea of like what house you think it would be in for Harry Potter. I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, everyone wants to be Gryffindor. Um, uh, what are different types of licorice what am i licorice no i mean i'm not licorice that's outrageous uh i'm not a sour patch kid um i mean you kind of want something with a little bit of like i feel like i need something a little bit of a tart like a little bit of a bite like oh yeah that's like you know makes an impact or some sort of tartness to it but i don't want to be like a sweet tart um it's funny because i keep thinking chocolate covered cherry and i don't even like chocolate covered cherries but that's what i was thinking with um that's why I think I like jumped over to the Cadbury thing and was like, no, I'm not that because I like the idea of like, you know, there's, there's some sort of firm, there's some sort of firm exterior that you do, you know, you, you sort of like a taste good on the outside, but like, doesn't necessarily reflect what's inside. Then like your next bite is, you know, it's like you be, be biting a little bit. Oh, there's, oh, it's kind of mushy. Like, oh, she's kind of sentimental. Like, oh, there's sort of this like, like, oh, there's this sort of softness, but then there's also this sort of like, 
there's something in the very middle that's like, okay, this is this. And then this is the, this is the third thing. Like, this is the other thing. This is like, there's something in the core <laughs> that feels ultimately different than the first two levels. But again, like I'm not, I don't even really like chocolate covered cherries. So I'm not sure why that's the thing that, <laughs> so if you can like think of something them. that, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be like, listen, I love Whoppers, but like, Th- th- there's it feels something painful about that like oh yeah you know you take your whopper it's like kind of plasticky the, the <laughs> chocolate's kind of plasticky on the outside so it feels kind of superficial and then the next thing you know the whole thing is just dissolved like that feels that feels like very insulting like oh it's before you know it, it was, there wasn't anything there at all it seems so solid and now it's gone <laughs> um so you know these are these are the process you know what i'm a peanut m&m oh it's a good one i'm a peanut m&m I want yeah. the candy. I want the, the nice candy, colorful uh, shell on the outside that has a, like you know there's a there's a distinctive taste to the shell. It's not nothing. There's something about it's kind of fun. Uh, you can either crunch right into it or you can kind of like suck on it for a little bit, let the <laughs> the little cracks you know let the cracks show through. So you sort of start getting what the next level is, and then you know if you want to just end up with the nut. Look at the end. I did say I was a nut. In the end, I was. I am nutty. <laughs> You're just a nut. <laughs> I'm such a nut. <laughs> I'm a peanut M and M guys. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. I'm a peanut right. M M&M. and M. We got there, and that was a solid, like you know, like full stop. You got there. It wasn't sort of like, a, uh, I guess I'll take this. So you know, I really had success. to. I really had to work through all the. I really had to work through all the things I'm not before I could get there. But oh. now it's clear. Like it or not. Like it or not. I don't even know how I feel about it. But that's I love the truth. it. I love it. I love it. It's very good. <laughs> what did Greg say? He was he was what chocolate covered nugget. Yeah, he was like and a pe- went, he was like a peanut chew, like something like chocolatey on the yeah. outside, but nougaty and soft in the middle. He wanted chewy as well as nutty, and yeah. and he went at length about why nugget was the right choice oh, yeah, he had for to have his the center. <laughs> you know what? There's something about that that feels very like he's the most British American I know, and there's something <laughs> that's so it feels just right that he would bring nougat into it. Like, yeah. oh, you're yeah. going to go off on nougat? Of course you are, you dandy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, thank you. this is just an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh, thank you guys. It was so fun. It was, uh, thanks for putting up with all my silliness. Uh, There are a lot of great, we were talking about her podcast, Janet Varney's podcast, right before we went to the interview, and there's actually so many unique podcasts out there right now, and two of them I can think of off the top of my head, that CBC, our national broadcaster here in Canada, they have a podcast wing of their company, and two of them that they do that I love, one is called Letters I Wrote as a Kid, where adults read letters they wrote as a kid, and people come in with their like diaries, and they read, it's hilarious, the funniest thing I've ever it's so funny. What's that they called? Have like, uh, I think it's called Letters Adults Read That They Wrote As Kids. Wow. Something that's, like that. That is such a not clever name. Yeah, that cannot possibly that be That can't really be the name. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the name <laughs> that's of it. That's worse I'm not than our title. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's another one that I think this might be a radio show, but it's like a radio show in podcast format. And she gets people that are very different from each other like they have fundamental differences or viewpoints of view about things and they go to a hotel room and like a group of people stay overnight in the hotel room and they like work out their issues with each other and talk it out and i'm not sure what that one's called but is, is that is that one called people with fundamental differences talking out <laughs> yeah, in a hotel yeah. room <laughs> we're canadians I, we're not very clever okay <laughs> i think i broke out in hives with us talking about what Janet's um, 
podcast is about versus these two. They're all so personal. I do not like talking about my past at all. Like I, I actually like I broke out in a sweat when we were talking yeah. about the fact that they talk about their teenage years on her mm-hmm. podcast. And <clears throat> I'm sitting here go like in my mind going like, what what would I say? I honestly don't remember much about my teenage years like and no i wasn't a partier <laughs> it's not like i so what those so what, so what does no. trouble you about your teenage years no. but it i remember when i was younger and i remember things very vividly like whole conversations i had with people and then college and, and i remember that very clearly but i don't i don't know i don't know if it was it's just like gone i <laughs> yeah. i i mean i remember i don't know that i could sit down and tell a story about this this is what i experienced like i can think of like mm-hmm. things that happened you know that right. might be like fun anecdotes but i don't know that i could sit down for like an hour and say like this is how i got from a to b yeah i don't i yeah. can't no i think i i think what we're leaving out though is there so if someone's a fantastic interviewer they can dig it out of you and you don't even realize it do you know what i mean they lead you along the path and you yeah. kind of that's not us get there <laughs> no, no, that's not that's not me. That's not. A, it could be Jamie, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely I, not. I got to get better at that. I certainly don't have that ability. Well, no, and you know when you're listening to a great interviewer, like I'm talking, like you know, taught like paid millions of dollars interviewer. Not they don't have to be, but someone that could be paid lots of money because they can just get people to open. They can just get in into them and you know into their soul, and they're not yeah. afraid to. This you is. Know, they're not afraid to tell it. I mean, so like. Yeah, unrelated to Janet Varney, I mean, because she does, they talk about something different. But, right. you know, it's like if you listen to like Marin's show, Mark Marin, mm-hmm. you know, he is really good at that. Like he's really good about, I mean, he's not personal friends with everybody, you know, but I mean, also being in the same room and looking somebody in the eye, I think yes. also makes a huge difference. It does. So yeah. he, all of his interviews are done person to person right there. And, you know, he does, he's not personal friends with them, but. Like he he has an uncanny ability to get people to just start like talking about their dad or like talk about like, you know, issues that they had when they were younger, you know, like, you know, it's like he's he's sitting down with like Neil Young, like and he doesn't know Neil Young. He said that at the beginning of his, of his episode. He's like, oh, this was amazing. I got to talk to Neil. I couldn't believe it really happened. And then in the, in, in the middle of the interview. You know, Neil makes some kind of offhand remark about when he was younger, and he was like, "He was like, oh, yeah, were you close with your old man? He's like, how, how was your, was your old yeah. man around? He was like, was he there or did he take off? And like, he just has like this way mm-hmm. of making it seem kind of casual. Whereas, right. like, if you or I did that, the guy, the person would be like, what, what the hell? I'm not like, telling I'm not, you that. I'm not yeah. talking to you about that. Yeah, but I, I think what you said about being in person because they've met, they've talked before they started interviewing. You know, they're comfortable around each other and you can pick up on like vocal facial cues and you yeah. can, you know what I mean? You can, you know, when to dig and when there's something there, if you're a good interviewer at that point. And when somebody, when somebody is established like Marin, I mean, like yes. if you're going to go on his show, you probably know who he is. So you probably know what you're going to get into, you know? Yeah. I'm not yep. going anywhere near that show. I'm just <laughs> 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 not right, that he's Cass. asking. I'm just, uh-uh. If you want to keep listening to more fantastic interviews, because we are those type of interviewers, <laughs> you can go check out our catalog and also make sure you subscribe. Go download some interesting podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB podcast. And I am Justin at 140 Justin C. Go follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jamie at the Roarbots. You can do the same with me. And Sam? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Samantha Fisher.
All right, guys, we'll see you next time right here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast, where we talk to pe- the Great Big Beautiful Podcast talking to people who are famous. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That's much better. It's yeah. a much more Canadian name. name. <laughs> talking to people right. who are more famous than we are. Yeah. That's right. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.